My name is Anna, and in July I was diagnosed with hairy cell leukemia, a rare, slow-growing blood cancer of the B cells. In October, I flew to Washington, D.C. to participate in a clinical trial at the NIH combining cladribine, the standard of care drug for HCL, with rituximab, a monoclonal antibody that is more successful at getting rid of minimal residual disease. Since I'm bringing you this podcast episode after a longish hiatus, here's a quick recap of where we left off last time. I had gotten through the grueling first couple days of screening tests and was halfway through my five-day treatment with cladribine. Some days I was feeling pretty well. Other days I was fatigued and nauseous. This continued through the next couple weeks. Today is the last day of cladribine. I'm exhausted. I think in a few hours I'll be happy that it's over, but right now I'm just really exhausted and I feel nauseous. Also today in hospital food. Don't get the pancakes. They're like cardboard discs. Cereal is pretty safe. Fruit plate is pretty safe. Poco can speak to the eggs and sausages. I, I, I had a good time with the free food. I got roast beef sandwich. That was good. Breakfast panini. That was pretty good. Sausage. That was pretty good. I got no complaints. October 19th. Today was supposed to be a break between cladribine and rituxan but I woke up feeling really nauseous and I threw up at home. Hoku asked me to call the doctor to see if there was anything unusual about the nausea and if I should try to eat despite not being able to keep anything down. Dr. K asked me to come into the NIH. On the way from our Uber to the clinical building, it's about a 10 minute walk, I threw up again. As we were walking away, a woman called to us to stop and ran over to us. She said she saw me throw up from, from her office in one of the other buildings, and she brought me a can of ginger ale that she had at her desk, hoping that might help. And people can be really sweet. At the NIH, after throwing up yet again, I was given fluids through an IV along with Sofran, which is a powerful anti-nausea medication combined with a steroid. That helped a lot. Within a couple hours, I was feeling better. Earlier that morning, in the waiting room, we ran into the lovely older couple we had talked to the prior week, The woman, who's being treated at the NIH for multiple myeloma, asked me how I was doing, and I told her about the nausea and the fatigue. Her advice was to take the meds and not try to just suffer through it. She said she's someone who's typically uh, likes to use natural remedies whenever possible, but chemo-induced nausea is no joke. It doesn't go away with tea. After this week and the experience I had, I would definitely give the same advice to anyone else going through this. When I talked to Dr. K, he said to take it easy and stay on a liquid diet for a while. He said, see how you do with water and then slowly introduce other clear liquids like apple juice and sometimes cold things can help, so try popsicles. Apparently, I have a toxicity to cladribine. For other HCL patients who may be listening, don't let this worry you because nausea and vomiting are pretty unusual side effects to this treatment. I don't think my my experience is very representative of the norm. But also, this reminds me of something my brother Hike said when I was first diagnosed. There are statistics and ways of understanding likely outcomes, but once you start treatment, you're an individual case. Everybody has a different experience with this stuff. Hoku's mom was in town visiting us, and since she had rented a car, she was able to give us a ride back home, which was awesome. We really appreciated the visit and catching up with her, as well as all the help around the house. (laughs) I'm also glad that Hoku got some homemade comfort food all the way in D.C., Today is Thursday, October 20th. Hoku and I went early in the morning, well, relatively early, around 10 a.m. We were actually late. We were actually a bit late, uh, to our appointment to get the rituximab. And 
I've been trying to game the system a little bit and go straight up to the day hospital where I'm supposed to get my treatments so that I can hopefully get the daily blood draws from the same IV and I don't have to get pricked twice. Um, but today I got called out on it a bit. So, so one of the nurses involved in um, the research team that's monitoring me called and said, no, you need to go to phlebotomy first so that we can get your blood results earlier and kind of know what we're working with. So we went down to phlebotomy and, um, and had a blood draw and then went back up to uh, wait for the rituximab treatment. And then, so it turned out that it was gonna be, it kind of just immediately sounded like it was gonna be a full day because on top of the rituximab, I was having some kind of like skin problem where I've been having a ton of bruising on both of my arms from all of the IVs and the blood tests. But a couple days ago, there was a bruise on my left elbow that looked a little bit different, just a little bit more pinkish and soft. And this morning it seemed like it had spread and was a little bit puffy. And we had run into a few days ago another HCL patient who had a blood clot on their arm. So I was, I, I thought ahead to that and thought, oh, maybe this is like the early signs of that. So we had the nurse practitioner come up and take a look and she said it was odd. She took a picture and sent it to the doctor in, in charge of the trial and um, she was like, infectious disease is going to come up and look at it, and you may need to get an ultrasound today, but then it turned out because of the scheduling and because I'd already been dosed with <laughs> Benadryl and was getting pretty sleepy, um, they were just going to go ahead and do the rituximab, and then it sounds like now me and Hoku are going to come back tomorrow to do an ultrasound on my arm to make sure there's no blood clots, so I keep thinking I'm going to get rest days, and they're, they're not yet, so hopefully Saturday. And then the infectious disease doctors came in soon after we started rituximab. And that was really interesting. It was like a flock of a bunch of doctors in white coats. I think it was a class of some kind. Yeah, it seems like maybe there was one attending physician and a bunch of residents from the way they were kind of poking around. <laughs> uh, like touching different parts of my body to see if there was anything different about my elbow, if it was more warm or more swollen. The attending physician said, it does look different to me than your other bruises, and the color is different, but it, typically with blood clots, it would be really tender, and you're not having that much pain. I'm, I, it was a little painful when he pressed on it, but not a lot. So he was like, I don't think there's any reason to start antibiotics, but they sort of drew around the bruise with a Sharpie to keep track of where it's at, and told me to come back tomorrow after my ultrasound and speak to them. And, show it to them again in case it's changed. Uh, and then Dr. K came up and took a look at it as well, and he seemed to think it was just a bruise. It didn't look to, it didn't look to him like a blood clot or anything more serious. So he agreed to, to not start antibiotics. Um, so then the next challenge was rituximab. The last time I got it, I got really intense, really, really intense headache, and then I threw up and that was at 100 milliliters. So this time I just told the nurse, can we just stick to 75 and not go up to 100? And because of the Benadryl, I tend to just knock out. I slept through a lot of it. And I think during that time, Hoku, you were like going around running errands and doing a whole bunch of stuff. I was just asleep, I was knocked out. <laughs> and then I came to towards the end of it, there were like 15 minutes left. Um, so the, the pace at which I get the rituximab infusions, 75 milliliters, makes it so that it's about a five hour to five and a half hour process. 
which I believe is a lot longer than other people have to. Um, some some people who have different kinds of B cells B cell malignancies that aren't hairy cell leukemia, first for whatever reason have less of a reaction to rituximab and can get it over the course of an hour and a half to two hours. So it's just something to keep in mind. I think coming out of today, I'm I'm feeling pretty cautious about like okay, I'd rather spend more time and not have an, have a reaction than push it and have a reaction. Yeah, it was like night and day this rituximab versus your last yeah, one. Yeah, I mean I just pretty much slept through it. I felt fine, but that wasn't the end of the day. So after that, we had to get set up with an iron IV. That was that was going to be about an hour, and that needed to happen separately from the rituximab so that because it's sometimes reactive, although I was told that most patients don't really react to it. And then after that, again, separately, we were going to get a shot of... Nupigen? Nupigen, which is like a a growth hormone that encourages the production of white blood cells because my white blood cells are so low right now. The um, neutrophil count was at 0.3, and the white blood cell count was at 0.46. So that's quite low. And some good news, platelets were up to 48. Um, but because the white blood cell count was so low, they wanted to give me a shot of Nuprogen. And in fun news, it look, it sounds like I'll be having to give myself these shots for the next few days. And I think they're in your belly. And they're likely in my belly. <laughs> so that's, I don't even want to think about that. Um, but we didn't get to the Nuprogen tonight because at the at the like last 10 minute mark of the iron after it had been kind of going fine there was about a quarter of it left of of the dose left to give through the IV i started having really weird reactions like i started having a bit of a pulsing headache and then some tightness around my eyes and hoku i i, I pulled you close and i was like can you look if there's anything weird with my eyes there didn't seem to be initially and then some burning on my palms. And I was just staring at my palms. I was like, all of these different weird body sensations, what are they? And it turned out my palms were starting to get red and, red and blotchy. And uh, at that point, you and the nurse sort of came around and were like, oh, your face and your neck is getting blotchy too. My hands really started to burn, like it was quite painful. And then it got a bit scarier because my throat started to get tight and close up. I had trouble breathing. So then I think um, the nurse who was attending me, along with the two other nurses who were there, kind of jumped into action at that point and gave me oxygen to keep breathing and were constantly taking my blood pressure, which was way up. Um, and then they gave, they turned off the iron, they gave me IV fluids, a shot of prednisone through the IV, um, Benadryl through the IV. They called Dr. K to get his his uh, input, and he, he, he also said stop the iron. Um, and it was a solid, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes of kind of hyperventilating, trying to trying to breathe through the shortness of breath and and throat closing. Um, but then once, you know, once the prednisone and Benadryl kicked in, the symptoms sort of slowly subsided. The other thing was there was like a stomach cramp that was pretty intense that was painful, but from what the nurses said, that's a more typical reaction to iron. The rash, the shortness of breath, the throat closing, that sounds like it's pretty unusual in terms of a reaction to iron. So that was pretty scary (laughs) for me. It's very scary. Yeah, but it was really helpful having you there. And then I talked to Dr. K on the phone 
and he sounded kind of disappointed uh, for the protocol of it. Like he was like, mm, well, usually we're able to give iron and people don't really have it's an unusual reaction. So it's unfortunate that we won't be able to. I think he actually said, I'm disappointed that we won't be able to give the iron through the IV, but you can try a supplement. And that was just a lot to go through in an evening. And then I had to stay and be monitored for another hour. So Nuprogen got pushed to tomorrow. October 21st. Today we went into the NIH so that I could get the Nupagen shot. I saw my nurse who went through a whole demonstration of how to self-administer the shot in my belly fat, and Hoko and I both practiced proper needle technique. Because I'm supposed to have gotten the shot the previous night, she needed to get a new order from my doctor before she could give me the first dose. So we waited. In the interim, the flock of infectious disease doctors swept into my hospital room to take a look at my elbow. They glanced at it for two seconds and confirmed, nope, not an infection, have a good day. According to the nurse, they sweep in and out of hospital rooms and are really hard to get a hold of on the phone because they're usually not at their desk. It's pretty funny to think about the migration pattern of the infectious disease team. My nurse came back and gave me the shot. It burned, and a few minutes later she got a phone call and stepped out of the room. She came back saying, okay, so change plans, you don't actually need to self-administer the next four doses, and you're free to go. I'm not quite sure what happened, was it a miscommunication and I got the shot in the belly by accident, but I'm certainly thankful I don't need four more. The week of October 22nd. Finally, some rest days. The last 10 days were no joke. Hoko and I had to get out to the NIH each day, 45 minutes from where we're staying, and we were just really looking forward to being at home. My appetite took a few more days to return, and apple juice was my best friend until it did. Hoku's aunt and uncle visited from New York for the weekend, and it was lovely seeing them. They were super helpful with groceries and food and everything. Makes a really big difference having family around. Sunday night, my mom and brother Hike and his girlfriend Monica flew in. Hike was using the one week of vacation he gets a year to come out to D.C. and visit me during treatment. For a week, we watched a lot of TV, we sort of carved pumpkins, and we baked cookies. We just did a lot of indoor activities since my counts are down. Thankfully, my appetite started slowly coming back. My best friend Alicia visited for a day, and we took a walk, and we ate unreasonable amounts of french fries, and we powered through four episodes of Westworld. That show is a trip. <laughs> Later, Hike and Monica found a pretty good loophole in my not-being-around-people constraint. We went on a driving tour of the D.C. area. We're on the George Washington it's Memorial Jenna Parkway. There's so oh, many trees. And the Matsin Chide, I think. It's a castle. Yeah. Oh, yeah, what is that? I got it. Wasn't hey, it? Is that the cathedral, maybe? Wow, shots in. So, this is the Potomac River. Does the Potomac go all the way from Maryland to Virginia? I don't know. Potomac okay. River is located along the mid-Atlantic coast and flows into Chesapeake Bay. The river is approximately four and 405 miles long. Oh, you see that? Oh my gosh, it's so pretty. I bet that's what a university that? of some kind. Yeah. It's Hogwarts. Mm -hmm. Hogwarts. Hogwarts. Scenic overlook, a thousand feet. Nice. Yeah. Eat some sandwiches. October 27th. Today was my third Rituxan treatment. We all went together. Hoku, my mom, Hike, Monica, and I. Only one visitor is allowed per patient in the hospital room, so my mom came to sit with me. After some unpleasantness with inserting the IV, it took two nurses five tries to get blood return. The rest of the day was a breeze. 
I decided that I'm going to ask the nurses to cap each rituxan infusion at 75 milliliters because I'd rather it take longer than risk having the headaches and the nausea from my first infusion. I slept through most of it and I felt fine. Blood counts were as follows. White blood counts were 0.7, absolute neutrophil count was 0.2, platelets were 87, and hemoglobin was 11.9. October 29th. Hike and Monica had left the previous morning, and Hoku flew back to LA today. Before he did, we went to Rock Creek Park to take a hike. I really wanted to get outdoors, and I figured it was worth the risk of catching something. The physical exertion felt great. We walked over four miles. It's a cliche, but fall on the East Coast is really, really beautiful. October 31st. Happy Halloween! It's my favorite holiday, but I didn't feel too bummed that I was missing out on it. My best friends Anish and Jackie basically made Halloween happen a month early, right before I came to DC for treatment. We carved pumpkins and watched The Addams Family and went to the Haunted Hayride in LA. This fact, and only this fact, allowed me to handle the situation with a modicum of grace. If not for them and the advanced Halloween fun we had, I probably would have spent the whole day in a funk, crying and feeling sorry for myself. Instead, I baked cookies and my mom and I watched Hocus Pocus. November 3rd. For the last week, it's just been my mom and I. She's super nurturing and a great cook, so I'm eating great. (laughs) She tries to get me to at least take a walk each day. Psychologically, it hasn't been the easiest week. The days feel really monotonous. I brought a bunch of books and my sketchbook and some graphic design work with me to DC, but it's been hard to feel motivated to be very productive. I've been grumpy with my mom, pretty unfairly, just because I'm frustrated with feeling like I'm in a bubble. Today was my fourth rituximab treatment. I'm officially halfway through. The only side effects I'm having these days are dull headaches that usually last for a couple days after treatment. During the infusion itself, I felt fine. I slept through most of it. In hospital food news, the individual pizzas are pretty terrible, but also kinda good, a lot like cafeteria pizza in school. My blood counts were up a bit. White blood counts were 1.04, ANC was 0.6, platelets were 113, and hemoglobin 12.2. November 7th. I gave myself permission this weekend to get out a bit more, since it's our last week in DC, and my counts seem to be on the rise. We had some family friends visit from New Jersey. They brought an absurd amount of food, including a delicious apple cake, which I'm more than happy to eat my way through. And we all went to the National Gallery of Art and just walked around DC. It was really fun. The next few days, my mom and I visited the Botanic Gardens, the Library of Congress, and got a tour of the Capitol building. We also went to the loveliest cafe near Howard University called Calabash. They have amazing tea and a really cool feeling of community. If any of you listening are ever in DC, I really recommend it. November 11th. Yesterday was a really long day. Actually, it's been a really long few days with the election. It feels like the mood in the whole city has changed and everyone is feeling somber. Yesterday was my fifth rituxan infusion. This is the point in the clinical trial when there's a big restaging of a lot of the tests they did at the beginning. For me, that meant an ultrasound of my spleen, an MRI test, blood tests, and a bone marrow biopsy. All this before my regular five to six hours of rituxan. Before I tell the story of my bone marrow biopsy, let me just say that the doctors and the nurses and the whole staff at the NIH is amazing. In the time that I've been going there, I've just felt 
uh, so cared for, and it's a huge facility and huge complex, but it feels kind of like a small town in that people will just know your name and, and, and you'll see someone once and then chat with them like old friends the next time you talk to them. So it's really been a great place to get treatment. But I'm going to tell this bone marrow biopsy story, which doesn't sound great, just because it's a it's a funny story and I got to tell it. It begins with a doctor and a nurse I've never met. The doctor asks if I've had a bone marrow biopsy before, and I say yes. It was a little painful that first time, but not too bad. He says, well, we should be able to prevent any pain during the procedure once the area is numb. We begin on my left hip. A sharp pain from the long needle with the anesthetic... Then I felt him begin to insert the big needle he would use to get the biopsy. By the time he got to the bone, I started to feel a radiating pain down my leg. I didn't mention it at first because I'd had a similar pain with my first bone marrow biopsy, so I thought it was normal. But then it kept getting sharper. Add to that the fact that the doctor didn't seem to be able to puncture my bone to get to the marrow, and he started to use the full force of his body weight to push the needle in. The pain just got worse and worse. I told him and the nurse about it, and they said that I should have told them before. It's apparently not normal to have pain like that. They decided that they would try again in a different spot, a couple millimeters away. And the doctor inserted the needle, and this time, when he got to the bone, I felt a sharp pain at the point of insertion. I told them immediately, but I said it wasn't too bad, so he could keep trying. The more he pushed the needle, the more painful it was, until I had to stop them in tears. He still hadn't even punctured the bone and it was a way more painful experience than my first bone marrow biopsy altogether. I was crying, which made my mom cry, and the doctor was really apologetic. He said he would call Dr. Kreitman to see if we could postpone since he didn't want to cause me more pain. I was still crying and trying to gather myself when the doctor came back to say that they need the sample, and Dr. K was going to come down to try the procedure himself. This time we were trying my right hip. Dr. K said it's unusual for there to be this much pain, but it could be that I have some nerves that cross where they were inserting the needle on my hip. He told me not to worry, he was going to use way more lidocaine this time. After several injections of anesthetic, he tried insertion number three. It was a bit uncomfortable, but not too painful, and he didn't seem to have much trouble getting to the marrow. They started to get the samples they needed, and I thought I was almost off the hook. But no, it seems they needed to do one more insertion to get enough samples. Thankfully, at that moment, the door opened and in walked George, who is apparently the best at bone marrow biopsies. The fourth stick was him, and I hardly felt it at all. The nurse pulled me aside afterwards and told me to make sure to ask for George next time, which I will definitely do. I mean, I get it. One guy, one guy can't do all the bone marrow biopsies, and people have to get better at this. Training is the way to do that, but I've reached my pain threshold with this one. <laughs> I'm going to do what I can from here on out to make sure the, the bone marrow biopsies are as pain-free as possible. For the rest of the day, all the nurses I ran into from the research team or the day hospital asked how I was doing after the bone marrow biopsy, and they were really apologetic and nice. I guess news spreads. <laughs> Still, at least it's over, and I won't have another one of these until April. My blood counts this week were white blood counts 1.1, ANC 0.68, platelets 91, hemoglobin 12.2. I'm trying not to be discouraged by the stagnant numbers. I know it can take a while for them to get back to normal. Today, my mom and I are packing and getting ready to head home. Tomorrow, we fly back to LA. Thanks for joining me for episode four of Anna and the Harry Cells. 
a documentary podcast series about getting a scary diagnosis and learning how to move forward. Thanks to my friends and family for visiting and spending time with me. Toku, my mom Galia, though I don't think she listens to the podcast, Hike, Monica, Maheya, Kim, Ray, Alicia, Ala, and Veta, and the fam. And thanks to Anish and Jackie and Anna for the kick-ass care packages. It's crazy to think about all the people who have helped me and supported me through this. What a difference it makes. If there's something you'd like to share, send me a message at AnnaAndTheHairyCells.com. I'd love to hear from you.